This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. Man, you guys sound good today. What's up? What's gotten into you? No, you always sound good. You always sound good. Hey, I, I want to welcome you. Um, my name is Colby. I'm the pastor here. If you're, you're a guest here, just checking this place out. We, we normally do series. Uh, we just got done with a parenting series called Arrows. And next week, we're headed into another series called Playlist. So today is going to be a little different. Today is going to be kind of a, a one-off. And it's just something that God has put on my heart. But I believe is going to apply to everyone in this room, especially those of you that anyone or everyone who is in that place where you know that the life that you're living is not the life that you could be living, not the life that maybe God's ordained you to live or called you to live, maybe you're just kind of floating out there, or for some of you, you know it's not the life that you should be living. And I think today, God, maybe even very pointedly, is going to put his finger on some areas of our life and get us uh, back to realigning with him. And I'm thinking about this whole process of, of how we get back and how God calls us back. And oftentimes, he uses this imagery of like a doorway. Let me show it to you in, in Revelation. This is what he says. It's kind of a, uh, the Bible describes these opportunities as, as open doors. And he says, what God opens... No one can shut. I want to stop right there. Whatever God opens in your life, you can't shut it. If God gives you this, this opportunity, this doorway to come back to him, and today, that's my prayer, that some of you walk through that doorway back to God. You can't shut it. Like, no matter what you do, no matter your circumstances, you can't possibly shut that door, that he opens this doorway to us. What God opens, no one can shut, but what he shuts, no one can open. In other words, if you allow God to get it into your life, you allow God to be a part of your, your life, like if you're finding yourself off course, you're finding yourself off of track, for some of us uh, today, that might be a, a, a pretty significant off course. Maybe for others of us, it's, it's just ever so slight, but when you allow God to get involved, he shuts the doors in your life. He shuts what God shuts, no one can open. And then I love how he tucks this in there at the end. And oh, by the way, I know what you've been doing. Like, I know your deeds. I know what you did last summer. Like, I know what you're doing this summer. I know your deeds. And some of you would say, well, if God really knew my deeds, then like, there's, there's no way he'd, I could ever get back on track. Yes, you can. The Bible says that nothing is hidden from God's sight, that he knows what you're doing. I know your deeds. And look, I'm not going like, to like heavy-handedly correct you back into place. I'm not going to prod you. I'm not going to kick you back into place. But here's what I've done for you. Before you, there's an open door. 
My prayer is today that you would see this open door, that God is giving us an opportunity. That's what that word literally means, an opportunity to come back to him, an open door that no one can shut. So here's where we're headed today. If you find yourself off course, if you find yourself off off track in any area of your life, um, especially spiritually, Because your spiritual part, that's the part that impacts every other part of your life. That's the part that lives on forever. But if you find yourself off course in any other area of your life, here's what I believe God is calling us to today. There's an opportunity for us to get back. There's an opportunity for us to get back on track. In fact, here's the title, an opportunity to course correct. I believe God is calling us today as a church to come back, to get back on track. On course, to have this course correction in our lives. Ephesians 5 15 says this be very careful then how you live your life. In other words, your life, my life, is, is full of decisions, it's full of opportunities, it's full of open doors. And we have to decide which are the doors that God is opening for us. Be careful how you live your life, not as unwise, but as wise. Because you have all these decisions, you have all these opportunities, and they're not all good, make the most, it says, of every opportunity. Like, notice the opportunities. Notice the ones that that God is in, the doors that God has opened, because the days are evil, and I love this part, so therefore, don't be stupid, it says. Like, literally, don't be foolish, but understand what God's Will is. Now, I want to stop right here because for many of you, this is the problem, right? Let's be honest. Uh, The question we ask all the time, I don't know what God's will is. I have no idea what God's will is. If I knew what God's will is, you know, then I would walk through that door. But I don't know what God's will is. I want to submit to you today that many of you, maybe half of you, you actually do know what God's will is. You're just not doing it. You have just not followed through on it yet. Or for others of you, maybe you've been seeking God's will, you know, you're, you're in this journey, you're, you're following after Jesus, you're trying to, to serve God, but you still don't have a clue what he's called you to do. And honestly, that's a part of the Christian journey that everyone goes through to in varying degrees along this, this journey of trying to decipher, you know, direction, trying to decipher God's will. Should I, should I marry this guy or should I marry this guy? This guy loves Jesus This guy, he's fine. (laughs) And it's a lot easier to make him love Jesus. It ain't easy to make him fine, you know, kind of thing, right? (laughs) Or, you know, should I go to this school? And this might be where some of you are today. Should I go to this college? Or should I go to this college? What's, what's God's will? Should I go to uh, be this major or this major? Should I take this job or that job? Or maybe it's more serious. Is God's will for me to get a dog or to get a cat? And that's the crossroads that you are at today. Let me be very clear about something. It is never God's will for you to get a cat. It says so right here in scripture. So this is a question that we ask, right? The the difficult thing is how do I know? Like how do I know what God's will is for my life? What is his direction? And I want to talk about that because I think this is a great place for us to start because by far the number one thing people ask me, the number one thing that people pray for is direction. God, what's, what's the direction? I have 10 doors in front of me. 
What do I do? I have all these opportunities. I have these things in front of me. What route should I go? I'm at a crossroads. So we need to understand and be able to recognize what God's will is. Recognize the right door, the opportunity, the one that God is opening that we can walk through. And now my personal belief is it might not be this one specific thing. Like this one finite thing that if you don't do this, then, you know, you're toast. If you don't do this, right, you know, everything else is going to go wrong. Maybe there's, maybe sometimes, but I think rarely is that the case. Because I've always wondered uh, what happens, like, for example, is there one person that God chose for you? And if, if someone along the way, if anyone ever married the wrong person, we know that has never happened, married the wrong person, does it send this chain reaction and ruin it for everyone else to come? I don't think so. But I, here's what I do think. God is telling us to get our lives in this zone, to get our lives in this, this area, in this, this sweet spot, to get our lives between these borders that he has set for us. It's kind of like, like the game of golf. Anybody golf in the room? Golfers? All right, got a few golfers. Like, golf is maddening. It's awful. I'm terrible at golf. One shot could be awesome, could be beautiful. The next shot, in the woods, right? The next shot, awesome. The next shot after that, hosel shot, you know, into the lake or whatever that is. Like, it's, it's a maddening game. But for those of you that, that aren't golfers, every hole, every hole has this fairway has this, this short grass, and you want to be on the short grass. Like, the game is easier. It's not easy, but it's easier when you're on the short grass. But on the sides of the short grass, there's tall grass. It's called the rough. It's the rough. It's the high stuff. It's the junk. It's the garbage. You know, there are hazards on either side of the fairway. There's trees. There's, there's woods. There's sand traps. There's water. You know, there are hazards on both sides. And the game becomes exponentially more difficult when you're in the rough, when you're not on the, the fairway. And just like, just like many of us today find ourselves, I believe, doing the best we can to follow God, to make good decisions, but we find ourselves in a trap or out of bounds even, or in, in some rough area. And just like God's uh, will is bordered by two things, like golf is bordered on either side by the rough, so is God's will. God's will is bordered by two things. I wanna give these two to you. These are fun, fundamental, these are foundational teaching. In fact, the first one, if you wanna write this down, is on one side of that fairway, one side of that rough, would be the moral will of God. Write that down. So if, you're, if, if life is like a golf game and you're playing golf and you get it on the, the opposite sides where the fairway meets the rough, that one boundary would be the moral will of God. And that's, um, you can discover God's moral will by simply reading what God has already said in his word. Like that's how you decipher, that's how you learn God's moral will, just by, by looking at what he's already said. So God is never going to give you a plan when it comes to your, you know, what he's got for you, his will for you. He's never going to give you a plan or a purpose in your life that is outside of what he's already established in his word through his moral will. For example, you never have to ask the question, God, should I you know, commit adultery with this person? You don't have to ask that. You never have to pray that prayer to God. No, right? God's word already tells us that. It's in his commands. He's already established that for us. And can I just tell you real quick that all of God's commands are for you. 
They're for your benefit. They're for my benefit. They're not to see, you know, to make Christianity this, this really difficult, oppressive thing to follow. It's for you. It's not to see who's gonna, who's gonna be able to, to, to suck it up and, and follow Jesus through it. No, it's for you. He established his commands so we know that if we operate outside of those, we get hurt. They're for our benefit. Every command of his is for us. So he gives us these guidelines. He gives us this, this pathway to follow, and it's established by his moral will. It's bordered by what God has already told us. So one side's the moral will of God. The other side, write it down, would be the sovereign will of God. And the best way to describe his sovereign will is it's what God, that ain't it, it's what God is doing on the earth. It's like what, what God is already doing. It's what God is, is up to. In fact, I wanna clear up a big misconception um, this is kind of going to be difficult preaching today. Uh, we don't, you know, this is not ear tickling kind of, of preaching. If you've been around Elevate Church for any amount of time, you know that we don't do that. Like we have fun. We think church should be enjoyed and not just endured. We're going to laugh and we're going to laugh often. I believe in that, but I refuse to pull punches. I refuse to tickle ears. And one of the things that, that has me like wound up and, and fed up is that the purpose of our life isn't for, for God to be there at your beck and call. Like, and to come alongside of what it is that you want to do, to line yourself up, you know, with, with God to line himself up with your will. But for us to line ourselves up with, with God's will. And if I can just vent for a moment, um, this is gonna be bad, I shouldn't do this. In fact, preaching 101, never vent to your audience, but here goes, whatever. We'll call it shepherding. We'll call it whatever, all right? Just call it whatever you want. This idea that, that people will sometimes say, man, if I could just, I can live my life. I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm gonna do my own thing no matter what. You know, it doesn't matter. And if anything goes sour, then I can just, I can call on my heavenly Santa Claus and he's going to bless me. That's not how it goes. Like, it's not about us trying to align God to our will, but it's about us aligning ourselves with God's will, with God's purposes. Whenever you just live for your own self and your own purpose, like, that's no way to live. Like, it's about living outside. It's about living beyond ourselves. And it's infuriating and maddening when people believe, man, that's, that's just, you know, I'm just, this is my deal. I'm just going to enjoy life. Stop trying to align God with your plans. And start lining up yourself with his purposes. And if you want to discover God's will for your life, you got to get in that zone. You got to border your life. You got to get in that sweet spot. You got to get in that fairway on one side where it's the moral will of God. And by the way, you can't know God's moral will apart from God's word. Like, so you have to get in God's word. You'll never know God's moral will for your life. Some of you, you're teeing up and you're like, you have no idea. And you're just kind of out into like nowheresville, right? And the Bible says that God's word is like a mirror. It's, it's a reflection that when we read it, it should reflect back to us, you know, kind of things in our lives, things that, that we should work on. So if you're reading a verse about love and then you read it and you think, man, does this look like love in my life or does it not? You know, and if it doesn't, that's not always a bad thing. Like, because God's word is useful for correcting us and rebuking us. It's, it's useful for getting us back on track, getting us back on course, so line yourself up with one side, you know, God's moral will, and the other side, God's sovereign will. Like, find out what God is up to. 
Like if you don't know what God is up to in the world, there's a good chance you don't know what he's up to in your own life. So here's the, the big idea today, if you wanna write this down. The more I discover, here's how you find the will of God. The more I discover God's moral and sovereign will, the more I discover God's will for my life. The more I can align myself with, with God's moral will on one side and God's sovereign will on the other, the more I'll discover his will for me. And the game just gets easier. Golf is easy, isn't it? You know, I'm terrible at it, but it's, it's easy when you're in the fairway. And by the way, you don't need me to convince you of this. Like, I, I don't have to stand up here and persuade you of any of this. You know why? Just play the game how you want and see how it goes for you. Like, play the game however you decide you want to, and just hear me say there are hazards when you get outside of those boundaries. There are hazards. You know, there's, there's water, there's out of bounds, there's, there's sand traps. Some of you, you came through these doors today and you're miserable because of the way that you're playing the game. You know, like you lost your ball. You can't even find your ball, right? You're, you're not even on the course anywhere. Like, so don't take my word for it. I don't have to convince you. Just, just play the game how you want to. Life will do it for you. Life will convince you. In fact, one of the last rounds of golf that I played um, was at, was like last year at Whispering Woods, and there's this one short par four there at Whispering Woods that everybody goes for the green. And on the whole like left side, there's a creek that runs down, and it's kind of like a risk-reward thing, and it's about you got to carry like 260 or 280, something like that, to get it up there. And I thought, I'm going for it, right? Might as well let the big dog eat. I'm going for it. So I get out my driver, and I take a swing, and slice about 50 yards, you know, kind of rolled it into the, the weeds, the tall grass. Now, normally, here's what people do. They will go up into that tall grass, they'll take the biggest club that they got, and they'll just kind of muscle it out of there. I'm just gonna get this thing out of there. But rather than do that, I took like a, a pitching wedge, and I, even, I just pitched it, it back into the fairway, even behind me, like I, away from the hole. It's not a good thing, but away from the hole. Ended up killing my third shot, sticking it close to the green about six feet and parring the hole. I should have just left and went home then, but I didn't. I kept playing. <laughs> but I feel like God's telling me today, and he's speaking to some of you today, that you just need to get it back on the fairway. Like wherever you are, this is an opportunity. This is an open door for you to just like make a good decision, pull the right club and chip it back onto the fairway. You gotta realign your life. And for some of you, you are way off. You are way out of bounds. Others of you, maybe it's just a little course correction that you need to make. But I believe God wants us today, the beginning of summer, he's calling us to this course correction for every person in this room. Now, here's, here's the good news. First of all, you need to know this. God has a wonderful plan for your life. His word tells us that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He's not coming up with this game as it goes. Like he's got a plan and purpose for you. Look at Psalm 139. It says, your eyes saw my unformed body. Like while you were a baby in the womb, it's a baby. The world wants to call it a fetus. It's a baby. While you were a baby in your mother's womb, all the days were ordained for me, were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. In other words, God has been a part of your life from the beginning. And then all the days written out in his book to which some of us might say, well, man, I know 
that the life I'm living right now, the life I could live or should live, man, there's, there's no way that God has written that down in his book. And you might be right. Like I know for me personally, there's about 14 chapters that God never intended me to put in my book. <laughs> but they're in there. And here's what you need to know. No matter what, no matter what, like whatever you do, whatever chapters you write or chapters that you add, God can always make the final one fit. Because with that door that God opens, no man can shut. And he's always calling us back by grace. He always makes it fit. Maybe you're just taking a longer route to get there. Maybe you're taking a roundabout way, but God always can bring you back. Here's how the Bible says it. One of the most encouraging verses in scripture, Romans 8, 28, says, and we know it. Like, I love that. We, we know this. I know this, that in all things, the wrong decisions that you've made, shot after shot after shot, bad shot, mistakes you've made, choices that you've made, God can still work it out for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So what I want us to do today is to help us course correct, no matter how far off track you are, to get us back. If you're here and deep down you know that you're not living the life that you could live, you're not living the life that you should live, like it's time for us to get back on track. So I wanna start by giving you something that's gonna be a little teachy and then a little preachy. Maybe it's already been a little too teachy, but anyway. I'll give you something theological and then I wanna give you something practical. Here's the, here's the theology. The more doors, um, the wrong choices that you make, the more bad shots that you hit, the more God wants to get involved in your life. The more bad decisions that you make, the more God is welcoming you, the more doors that God opens to bring you back. Let me show it to you in Romans 5.20. It says, where sin increased, and we were way out there making bad decision after bad decision, the more that happens, the more the grace of God increases. Not, not the less grace of God. It's not, hey, when you, when you get your life back together, then come see me. When you get your life back on course, then I'm going to love you again. And I hate how the fact that religion has given us this idea that we got to get it together before we come back. No, no, it says the more you sin, the more his grace increases for us. The more you sin, the more God wants to be a part of your, your life. The more sin increases, the more the grace increases, but... Here's the balance in all this. That's not a license to go out and do whatever you want to do, right? That's not to say, well, I can just, you know, that's a sweet deal. Let me just send it up and, you know, we're good and I'll just come back to God and, you know, his grace is going to cover it and that's good. No. In fact, just a couple verses later, it's in a different chapter, but it's the same teaching. We added the chapter divisions in here. Sin increases, grace increases, but Romans 6.1 Shall we go on sinning so that grace will increase? No, don't do that. In fact, we died to sin, so how can we live there anyway? How can we live in it any longer? Here's, here's what I hope is the God moment for us today. Every, every time we get together and, and, and come and hang out in church, I always pray that there's a moment where God speaks to your heart. We have this opportunity to respond to God. And I think, I think this is it right here. That today you would, you would feel not this, this heavy hand of correction, not this prodding to get back on course. Your shots are terrible. None of that stuff. 
but you would hear this gentle voice, this whisper of God just telling you today, hey, get back on track. Like before things get crazy, you know you're headed in the wrong direction. You know you're headed in a, in a bad area. You're, you're way out of bounds. You're in the rough. Get back on, on track. Get back on course that you would hear God's voice telling you, put it back in the fairway. Here's how Isaiah says it, whether you turn to the right or turn to the left, that today you'd hear that voice that's right behind you saying, hey, this is the way to go. This is the way to go. That this is the way, walk in it. You have that, you hear that voice saying, walk this way. I'm praying that the spirit of Steven Tyler comes upon you today. <laughs> and that you would walk this way. Some of you have no idea who that is. <laughs> Ask your mom. She still loves him, probably. But that we'd hear this opportunity, this door that's open for us to get back on track. And I'm encouraging us to make a course correction, that really, if God is that good, like if his mercy endures forever, that he loves us that much, then I think it's time for some of you to come on back. It's time to come on back, to get back on track. And here's what you're going to discover when you live this way, when you live like between the lines, it doesn't reduce your life to boredom that so many people think, oh, I got to follow God. You know, it's boring. No, the game gets easier. In fact, it's fun in the fairway. It's fun here. So I'm gonna ask you three questions. Here's the, the practical side, because I don't like to just teach at you then say, you know, peace out, you know, have a nice day. I always want us to answer the question, so what now? So what do, I, what do I do with this? How do I get back on track? And I wanna help us answer that question with these three right here. By the way, these are the same three questions that I'm asking myself. Like I'm on this journey with you. I don't I really don't ever want you to get the idea or the impression that I've figured this stuff out and I've kind of arrived. I'm just as jacked up as many of you in this room. And I'm looking around this room. There's some jacked up people in this room. <laughs> and I just want you to know I'm on this journey with you. Like I haven't figured this out. And so over the next few weeks, like these are the same questions that I'm gonna be asking myself. It's gonna help me get back on course as well, here are the questions. And the question is not what's, what's powerful, it's your answer to the question. Write this down, the first one is this, what should I stop? Here's the practical side of it. Like, what are you doing right now that you should stop? What are you doing that is outside the boundaries? You violated the moral will of God and you know you need to get back on track. You know you need to course correct before it goes badly. Maybe it's already gone badly. What is it that you need to stop? Romans 12, two says this, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Like, like when you get enamored, when you get you know, overwhelmed and inundated with just this world, it's so easy for us to get off track. When we have our focus on the stuff, when we have our focus on materials or, or the news or music or sports or whatever it is, it's easy to get off track. In fact, I'd say finding yourself like falling in love with the stuff of this world is the same as falling out of love with God. So what is it right now that's got your time and attention? What is it that you need to stop, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying things. Just don't, don't let the, the main thing slip away. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the way you think, 
by the renewing of your mind. Be different, be changed by changing the way you think. And then, and only then, will you be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. His will. It's hard to find God's will when you're so uh, focused on and fixed on this world. Here's how Proverbs 4 says it. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. To me, that sounds like a fair way. The whole Bible is about golf. You didn't know that, but it is. Don't swerve, right? Don't slice to the right or to the left, but keep your foot from evil. And that's what I want to encourage us to do today, to get rid of some of that stuff in our lives. What is it that you need to stop doing? And just so you know, God's not mad at you. God's not wagging his finger at you. Like he's just lovingly wanting to bring you back on course. He just wants to correct you and point you back to this, this door of opportunity that's available. So the second question is this, what should I start? Like what should I stop? But also what should I start? Like what is it that, that I'm not doing that I know I should be doing? Because even if you get yourself on track morally, your life will never make sense if you're only living for your life. You gotta ask the question, God, what are you up to in my life? This is God's sovereign will part of your life. And I like how Jesus taught us to pray. There's only a few times that we have uh, recorded prayers from Jesus in scripture, so we should pay attention to the way that he prays. But he prayed, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. The prayer is not an opportunity for us to notify God of, of our wants. It's an opportunity for us to align ourselves with God's will. And one of the best prayers that you could pray is, God, what do you want me to start doing? Like, what's the calling? What's the thing you've put on my heart? And, and take it to God and pray. You, you should go to God with a list. You're just confused. You know, it's just stuff that's going on in your life. And just dump it at the altar and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. In all of this, what should I start? That's the way Jesus prayed in the garden. He said, God, not my will, but your will be done. And that's why we are adamant around here that the best thing that, that you can do is to find God's purpose for your life. In fact, in August, and I'm not gonna spend a lot, a lot of time talking about it, but we're doing an entire series called Crash Course that's all about that. August is all about helping you discover like your design, helping you discover the gifts and talents that God has placed inside of you so you can make the greatest impact on this, this earth. So you gotta ask the question, what should I start doing? And again, this is one of those things, you don't have to take my word for it. Like just put it to the test. If you know God is calling you to do something and you haven't stepped up to the plate and started swinging away at it yet, like, like, just try it, and your life will be more fulfilled than you can imagine. Don't take my word. Just do it. What should you start? And James 4, 17 says this. In fact, anyone who knows the good, who knows what you should be doing, but doesn't do it, that's sin too. Because here's the problem. A lot of people will say, well, as long as I stay out of the moral will of God boundary, and I'm good there. As long as I, you know, don't, don't lie, cheat, steal, don't commit adultery, you know, then I'm good. That's not true. In fact, it says if anyone knows the good that they should be doing and doesn't do it, that's sin 
too. In fact, there's a difference between sins of omission and sins of commission. And I think the majority of our sins are the ones that, like, we never do what God's called us to do. That's a sin too. Peter says it this way, the godly man does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil, evil desires, but rather for the will of God. For some of you, the most powerful prayer you can pray is not, God, here's, here's my will, come alongside of it. It's, God, your will be done. What, what do you want from me today? What can I do for you? Got to answer those questions. What do I start? What do I stop? And the last one is this, why not today? Like, why not right now? Because the last thing I thought I would, would like to address is the whole procrastination factor. Everything that I've shared with you today, most of you in this room, you already know. Like, this isn't new. This, you guys are smart. This is an intelligent room. This, this might just be a reminder for many of you today. But you know this stuff. And I, and I hesitate sharing this part with you, but I can't be a good pastor unless I do. The Bible says that God's, God won't strive with man forever. In other words, that there's not gonna be this door of opportunity that's, that's open infinitely. Like it's just open all the time. That's not the way it works. That at some point, at some point, it's done. And the fact is, if you continually push aside the voice of God, that whisper in your life, that 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 voice that you hear in your ear, if you continually reject that and push that aside and forget about it and ignore it at some point, that's gonna go bad for you at some point. In fact, God will allow you to experience some things like in order to get your attention. God will allow you to make some bad club selections and just play that ball in the rough. Go ahead and take a swing. You don't even know where you're aiming. Just go for it. In order to get you back on track. In fact, Paul tells us about a time in uh, the church in Corinth that some nasty stuff was going on. This guy was having uh, sexual relations with his, his mom, with his dad's wife. And what, what he ends up saying um, is this. He said, hand this man over to Satan so that his flesh is destroyed, but his soul might be saved. In other words, he's saying, all right, that's how you want to live your life? Go for it. Go for it. Like, see where that gets you. And it's not God's intent to create destruction in your life. His desire is to bring you back. His desire is to call you home. His desire is to open that door of opportunity and allow you to make some corrections in your life. But you can't wait. You can't wait forever. You got to do it today. You got to do it. You got to do it now. Like the last thing I want is for you to hear God's voice, but for you not to take that opportunity to respond. And I'll close with this. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, for God says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. And I tell you, now is the time. Now is the time. As I was going through this, I just heard God kind of speaking to my heart. Hey, now's the time for many of us to get back on track, to get back on course, to align ourselves with God's will, not our will, not ask him to to come alongside our thing, 
but for us to get fixed on his thing and what he's called us to do. And the way we do that is we understand the zone. We understand the fairway, that it's bordered by the moral will of God and the sovereign will of God. And the way we do that is by asking ourselves these questions. What do I gotta stop? What do I have to stop doing that is outside of the boundaries of God's will? What what do I gotta start doing? What do I know God has called me to do? Some of you, God has been calling you and telling you over and over and over again. He's placed this burden on your heart. You don't do it. Why not today? Why not today? So here's where we're going to go in just a moment. We're going to take an opportunity to pray. And I want you to take a chance to respond to some of this. And then we're going to close the service a little differently today by taking communion together. It's kind of a commitment on the things that God has spoken over your heart and life today. But before we do that, let's bow our head. Without moving around, without thinking about taking off, again, I believe that this is probably the most important time for many of you in this room, besides we lock the door so you can't get away. But would you just ask God in the quiet of your heart these questions again? God, what do I got to stop doing? And just gut level, be honest. For many of you, you know right away. That light has come on. It's illuminated some areas in your life and in your heart. You know you gotta stop. What do I gotta stop? Then ask him this question, what do I gotta start? God, you've given me a passion before. You've given me a burden before. Like, I want that again. What is it that I need to start doing? How do I need to get involved and get connected? Where, where can I help out and use the gifts and talents that you've given me? God, what do I gotta start? Because if anyone knows what they should be doing and doesn't do it, that's sin too. And one more question, why not today? The verse we ended with said, today is the day. The time is now. In fact, It also said that today is the day of salvation. And maybe for some of you, here's the thing that you need to start. You need to begin a relationship with God. God has brought you to this place you feel far from him. And maybe you've you've never surrendered your life to him, or maybe you have before, but he's calling you back. You're way off course. You're You're not even in the game. And today God is calling you back. He's opened a door of opportunity for you to walk through and receive the grace that's only found through the forgiveness of our sins and our faith in Jesus' death on the cross for us. And so if that's the moment that you're here for, if God is drawing you to him, the way we enter into that relationship is through prayer. I wanna lead you in that prayer right now, right now. Maybe you've prayed this before. This is a recommitment. Maybe you're surrendering for the first time, but this is how we do it. Repeat after me. You can whisper it to God. He knows your heart. Jesus, today, I surrender my life to you. Just tell him that right now, wherever you sit. I'm tired of playing my own game and doing it my way. And today is the day that I surrender everything to you. I believe that you died for me and that your death on the cross covered all my sin, past, present, future. And I ask you to save me. I repent of my sin. And from this moment on, I choose to live for you. 
Thank you, Jesus, for new life. And now you have all of mine in Jesus' name. Amen. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv.